Listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Welcome to Authentic Living. I'm Andrea Matthews, your host for this series in which we will be speaking to several of the spiritual giants of today to help us all explore together and discover the path to the authentic self. And today, I'm interviewing James Redfield, a humanitarian and environmentalist, most famous for the Celestine Prophecy series in which the, of the book Celestine Prophecy, The Tenth Insight, Holding the Vision, The Secret of Shambhala, In Search of the Eleventh Insight, and a nonfiction book authored with Michael Murphy and Sylvia Timbers, God in the Evolving Universe, and of course, the movie, The Celestine Prophecy, which was released in 2006. James, this has just been an amazing journey, how fast this picked up and how powerful and potent the energies have been around it. Can you just explain that phenomenon? <laughs> well, um, first of all, uh, glad to be with you. Um, you know, the the Celestine Prophecy really is a, is a prophecy about... Uh, an awakening that's happening uh, within humanity uh, across all cultures, across the globe, uh, across all religious be- beliefs. Uh, my uh, my drive and and uh, mission, I guess, is was to really try to describe this awakening in terms of the insights, the actual ahas, you know, that changed our view of life. Uh, because I think those are archetypal in the sense that. You know, the pathways in our brains are already there. We just have to sort of seal up that capacity with, with consciousness. And um, and so it's kind of an in, inevitable evolution if we survive. And um, it can be seen. Uh, and so the, the Celsius Prophecy was really about describing uh, an awakening uh, through a number of insights, one through nine, as I described them, that I felt were already occurring out there as people grew into kind of a a natural consciousness uh, uh, about life and what life was about and and uh, about certainly the, the spiritual aspect of life. So by describing this, and the chief points are, of course, this 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 experience we all share, which is a, the, the experience of meaningful coincidences, uh, synchronicity, first, first uh, described by Carl Jung, um, in the early 20th century, um, that's that's a chief barometer. But but all these insights, I think, are recognizable by people once they begin to look for them, once they realize that they've already had them. And I think the, the so the book, the Celestine Prophecy, and the subsequent books, I believe, put into words, put into clarity, maybe um, a kind of awakening that was that that was already happening, and that people could see for themselves. They could prove to themselves. You know, they could see the this phenomena happening and so forth and so it became more meaningful. So the book uh, I think talked about something that people were already sensing and could identify uh among you know uh, in themselves. So 
that I think accounted for the word of mouth, and that's that's all that drove the book and any of the books really. Right, it's the word of mouth based on uh, you know people sharing with friends a discussion about the spirituality that was happening to them. And it, it started off in the trunk of your car as a self, uh, as a self-published book, and sold 20 million copies uh, worldwide, and is still selling at a bestseller level. That's just an amazing and, and so it's still being passed around to new generations. You know, kids grow up. When the first book first came out, there were you know a whole generation of ten-year-olds out there. Well, they're twenty now, or twenty-something now, and. Right. Um, you know, it's just, it never ends because it, it you know, I believe that the insights uh, are occurring uh, to each generation as they come of age and, and start to pursue uh, the meaning of life. And that critical mass that you talked about as the first insight seems to be a whole uh, a factor in all of this. Well, I think that, you know, that, that the critical mass is building. And, uh you know, it's hard to put your finger on where that is. I do know that uh, while the the world is sort of very polarized, a lot of conflict going on, a big violent argument uh, about whose religion is best, uh, carried on by fanatics and various religions, um, that's happening. But at, at the at the same time, I believe there is a undercurrent, a kind of contagion of authentic consciousness, you know, uh, people discovering their authentic self, which is which is a spiritual self in my point of, from my point of view. Yeah. You can describe it psychologically, but in essence it's about consciousness and it's about opening up to a greater sense of meaning in the world, which is a, which is a spiritual connection. So I believe that that sort of contagion person to person, the conversation is also going on at the same time. You see a lot of um, competition and, and, and desperation on the people who are trying to live without that and who relate to spirituality uh, as a, in a mental way only, you know, uh, as doctrines of religion. And uh, so, so both things are happening, but I'm very optimistic that we're moving into a place where more and more people realize that the real meaning in life is happening at the spiritual level and that it's from a kind of spiritual consciousness that 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 is happening and I'm seeking to describe is that really adds the great fulfillment that one can find in life and also it helps through the synchronicity becoming aware of that uh, becoming aware of intuitions that feel like guidances uh, we realize that a spiritual spiritual connection really gives us things. You know, it's not just something to do because we think it's the right thing to do. It's something that gives us a great a set of skills and a set of perceptions that help us navigate life in a, in a more effective way. Yeah, in fact, you know, I've seen in my own practice, I've seen that through transpersonal therapy that people who do develop an authenticity from a psychological perspective also have to, just as sort of an onus about their own authenticity, really begin to explore their spirituality and whether or not what they have done spiritually works for them now and to just begin to ask really authentic questions about their spirituality. That, and, and you're right, it's not just a metaphor. It's a real archetypal uh, awakening. That's, that's right, and, and it's, it's important to, I think, understand that this awakening is happening across all the religions. Mm-hmm. In other words, 
all religion has been too mental during this sort of materialistic age that we've gone through in the last 500 years, 500, 600 years. It's been too mental. It's been too, uh, uh, you know, uh, left brain. You know, it's all, it's been too logically uh, sort of uh, uh, stated and, and instead of the, the feeling part of it. And, and what's happening now is that people are starting to grasp the consciousness, you know, the gestalt, the full experience of their spirituality. And that's, that's happening as a transformation of all religion right now. I mean, if you, if you go to any church, <clears throat> the discussion is about, well, how do we get, how do we really connect with the divine behind our lives and, 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 and inside us? Uh, no matter what it is, that's the, <clears throat> that's a, what the young people want. That's what, what uh, people uh, of all ages within that religion want, and uh, you know the the religions of course have a certain uh, ritual routine, a certain set of doctrines and rules, and and those aren't you know I don't you know those will be worked out and become I mean, and, and they'll become more effective and more real and more applicable as the, uh, the each religion revolves evolves toward its. Um, True experiential uh, uh, grounding. You might yeah, say. there seems to be a, just a real core element of every religion that seems to be about seeking um, some kind of real definement of what's inside me and how does that relate to something higher than me. Exactly. Yeah, and people are are discovering a the real experience of it, and, and you know every every religious doctrine has some. Some version of of you know look uh, injunction telling telling us to look for the fruits of the spirit. In other words, what does it give us in terms of our uh, lives? You know, what is this uh, what is this peace that surpasses surpasses all understanding? Uh, you know, every religion has some version of that as a kind of monitor as to whether you're really engaged in the experience of spirituality and. Um, you know, it's just it's, that's that conversation is already happening. Uh, it's it's usually the leaders and and the sort of gatekeepers within every religion that sort of fight against some change, but uh, that's their role. Uh, so ultimately, the will of the people participating will, uh, as as evolution proceeds, will replace those people with people who understand that we're trying to find an experiential grounding. Uh, for our spirituality in this historical period. Mm-hmm. You know, Carl Jung spoke about a, uh, something he called enantiodromia, which was a sort of a polarization of thought that, that was on a pendulum swing that swung from one end to the other of the polarization and then eventually settles into the middle. And I kind of, uh, I wonder if you see that in your work and throughout history that we've sort of polarized, and even now we have this polarization going on between fundamentalism and more of a open or uh, Eastern look at religion and 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 an openness to metaphysical insights. Can you speak to that at all? Well, sure. I think that you know what we see out there is is a, a polarization, you know, argument, um, and it's it's what happens when when we're in transition because people want to hold on to their 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 routines and the way they engage in spirituality and 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 in uh, economics and all the rest you know we grow up with a certain kind of lifestyle and then that lifestyle uh evolves 
but if we if we fear that sort of shift and that evolution, then what happens is that we uh, hold on desperately to the old. And uh, so you, you've got a lot of, uh, especially uh, especially where you know, terrorism is involved, uh, a lot of fanatical holding on to the old ways and, and and viewing it just as a sort of physical fight rather than a uh, internal evolution. And uh, the more though that people are grounded in the real experience of their religion, what happens is that then they have a kind of security that comes from knowing that and operating at that level, and they're they're much more tolerant of ideological differences because they know at the core of every religion is a connection with one divine spirit behind the world and within all of us, you know, uh, you know, measured by love, and uh, you know, you, you, that's just one thing. You know, that's just one connection. Uh, there's not a whole bunch of gods. There's not a whole bunch of gods that feel different ways. The internal experience of spirituality is the same for every human being on the planet. Right. We're talking to James Redfield about the Celestine prophecy and about the movement of insight toward wholeness. Uh, we'll be we'll come right back in just a moment. Be extraordinary. Seventh Wave Network. I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance, to expect guidance, to trust and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology, A-I-H-T, with a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earn my Ph.D. in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve, too. That's how it works. These self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, visit AIHT.edu. All my love. Your online community for positive change. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. talking to James Redfield about the Celestine Prophecy Series and the insight and awakening that's happening around the globe. Hi again, James. Um, my question now is, can you talk about a little of the history 
history of the how sort of how the human potential movement brought to brought this whole awakening about? Sure, absolutely. Yeah, I think um, uh, you know back in the fifties and sixties, uh, life in the world, human life in the world, was becoming very uh, <clears throat> material. In other words, uh, religion began you know started to become. Uh, uh, sort of uh, looked at it as a kind of Sunday activity, a routine, a right lifestyle uh, based on the, the a belief, you know, that it was essentially mental. And uh, you know, this was, you know, this was a not a not a bad thing. It accomplished the kind of development of technology and the development of uh, the material that uh, you know helped. Um, Helped make people uh, help bring the the world to new standards of health and and uh, and uh, nutrition and all the things that came with that. But as it became a prevailing paradigm uh, in the fifties and sixties, what happened was that people began to to, to rebel against that, or, or to at least seek alternatives, because it was so uh it was so repressed in a psychological sense in that you know if the world is just material then we don't want to be reminded that it's not so people who are dying were pushed into nursing homes and and uh uh people who had cancer back then were kind of shunned by the community because you know that was that was just you know nobody wanted to be reminded of that that was something that reminded us of death and we were we were overcoming death with our materialism uh, so it was only in the 60s and 70s, though, and this was led by what I call the human potential movement, and uh, and it's certainly other people name that, not me, but but uh, within psychology, sociology, all the helping sciences, what happened was that people realized that the materialistic paradigm was not recognizing people's greater potential, and that greater potential was to find a more fulfilling life, to find a, a spirituality that was real, uh, a psychology that was free of repression, and 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 and, and all the things that happen when people are uh, not open to the full parts of themselves and just re- relegate themselves as as, uh, as material beings. And so, what happened was, <clears throat> you know, all the thinkers and, and breakthrough books of that era were about finding this human potential, and it started off uh, more psychological. You know, this be self-actualized, be you'll break through your old childhood traumas and find uh, and see how those are limiting you and be able to open up to new ideas and find a new create creativity you know b- within yourself find a a, a calling that <clears throat> speaks to you that you're not afraid to per- pursue all those things were were uh, buzzwords of that era and then and something happened in the late 70s and and 80s that we all began as therapists began to realize that you know, man cannot live by bread alone. You, you, you know this this self actualization had a spiritual component. So we started reintegration, the spiritual discussions from the east that also weren't complete, but created new uh, a new sort of opening to uh, the experiential side of life. You know, the whole uh, right brain phenomena. You know, meditation and artistic and uh, expression and all that. So then, uh, you know, gradually, uh, the, because we had done the psychological work, we had all these uh, psychological words that entered the culture. 
So there was a big mass evolution of, you know, of, uh, of discussions of, well, what's an ego? Uh, uh, what is what is egotism? Uh, you know, what is when your ego rules and your heart stays out of it? You know, uh, so there was this whole discussion about how to get free of of uh, uh, in, and break into a life of that was more spiritual and more fulfilling and from a spiritual point of view. And then we started to study the mystics uh, in the late 70s and 80s. and 90s, we started to study the mystics of every religion who talked about that spirituality was a breakthrough experience, you know, the grand catharsis beyond anything that could happen within a psychological uh, paradigm. Right. And that included all the things that come with that, which is a, a rich life of synchronicity where the meaningful coincidences happen to us to open up opportunities, to bring us messages, to show us you know, how our lives are limited, uh, how we limit ourselves with guilt and, and, and all the things we haven't worked through. So it all works as a grand catharsis, but now it's from a spiritual level. And it's that breakthrough, of course, that I... That I uh, uh, salt to describe in the uh, Celestine Prophecy and the, the subsequent books. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting as you talk about that, I'm real aware of the changes that have happened in the psychological world, in the mental health world, where uh, at first it started off with us not being able to talk about, as therapists, us not being able to talk about um, spirituality at all, as that would be sort of dictating somebody else's beliefs to um, M. Scott Peck challenging the American Psychiatric Association to really look at this thing of spirituality and, and to, to challenge us that if we weren't looking at spirituality, we weren't looking at the whole person. Yes. And now to the point where transpersonal uh, therapy has sort of taken off and, and people have begun to really begin to explore the connection between psychology and spirituality as a whole person rather than just... Uh, Yes, you know, split up person, and that's part part of what you're talking about with this whole thing here. Absolutely, and I, you know, during those years, I was working as a therapist, working with uh, emotionally disturbed and we uh, and, and traumatized, mainly through abuse, uh, adolescents and their families. Right. So that was like a, a, a sort of you know real research grounding in in the uh, into what happens when people feel abused or traumatized in any way. And what happens, of course, is that suddenly the life is not okay. You know, the world seems scary. And and what we do when that happens is we want to control everything. We want to control. We think we have to control everything for our safety. And, and uh, you know, it was a breakthrough part of the self-esteem prophecy because I could see these kids breaking through uh, what, what I was describing as the fourth insight or the fourth... Uh, step in this this awakening, and uh, uh, th- you know what happens there is we become we realize how much we're controlling other people, and when we control situations and people constantly over and over in our lives in a certain way, we just we just repeat the dramas in our lives over and over again, and uh, you know it's this why is this happening to me again? And, you know it's because we construct this drama of control. Uh, and of course, it's a spiritual catharsis that breaks us out of that. And you could see, in, in what worked with these kids, uh, more than anything, was a was a kind of existential awakening where they know that there's got to be more to life than just the material. They start to look for that. They find it. They get in touch with something they really want to do—a kind of calling. 
which is one of the things we get. You know, we get synchronicity, we get rich intuition, and intuitive life brings in a sense of, wow, what I really want to do uh, with my life is to do this. And it's also always a way of bringing the truth into the world, helping the world in some manner, developing something that humanity needs. Um, and, and once you could get the, the kids and their families, really, to acknowledge that that's what life is about, and that all the most creative people and the most successful people in the world do some version of that, uh, then they buy into it and they start to have those experiences. And I realized it was not just abused children having those experiences, experiences out there. Uh, it was all of us. You know, this was a fourth insight step that we were taking where we all uh, wanted the, the rich um, sort of emotional, spiritual life of synchronicity and meaningful coincidences and this rich intuition when, of when we think, you know, an idea pops into our head intuitively to call this old friend. We call, and what happens is usually a synchronicity. The old friend says, I was just thinking about you. Right. And right. that's the juice of life when we get into that kind of flow. Uh, you know, spirituality is not, you know, we don't, we, we should not do it, but out of some sense of being good, although that's what happens. Uh, what we really, uh, uh, the, the great reward for going spiritual is, is uh, this rich flow of life where we're helped through life. Things go easier. We, the solutions to our problems come intuitively and, and through meaningful uh, information brought to us at just the right time by other people, if we're open to it and if we're looking for that. So... Anyway, that's uh, you know that's that's the grand awakening uh, that's occurring, and and I really think that it's continuing to occur. I think we're we're through eleven eleven insights in terms of steps in this awakening. We're into a twelfth. This is a twelfth insight conversation we're having because it speaks to how do you really do it? You know, what is our what is our understanding now finally coming to a point where we can say we have truly discovered how life can best be lived uh, from a spiritual point of view. Right. Uh, and I really believe that's happening out there. And it, and it comes off in, you know, uh, of course, the 11th, which is the 11th. Is, is this, you know, when you see all the prayer groups and the prayer, people taking prayer seriously, uh, you know, the phenomena like the book The Secret and the movie The Secret, uh, how do we create, how do we use our prayer power, our creative power, to enhance this spiritual flow that we can find in the actualization of our calling, uh, uh, and 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 as we put this, as we, as we figure out how to really do this, we're moving into this twelfth insight, which is, hey, we can do this all the time. This is not mental any longer. This is a, a kind of um, flow of life that is a consciousness, and it's an authentic consciousness where we stay centered in our own uh, sense of calling, our own connection with the spiritual. Right. You know, I'm so aware as you're talking about how we've moved, even in the past, uh, since your book first uh, was published in 1993, that the, the movement tore away from shoulds and ought tos and good and evil sort of thinking into um, that energy you talk about being in the flow, not just with synchronicity, but sort of what even athletes are talking about with I'm, being, I'm in the zone, you know, I'm in that place where I'm not really all about thought. And or feeling, but just sort of a connection, a congruence between them. That's that's exactly right, and you know we're coming full circle in my view because we went through a stage where 
we're so aware of, of judgments against people and how that repressed people that we we gave up on judgments. I mean, we, we didn't want to say what we really believed to another person about their lifestyle, the, the, the what was what we thought was happening in relation to us. Uh, we didn't want to be judgmental. And uh, what we're learning as part of this 12th insight is that, you know, a lot of the uh, stalwarts of the old-time religion said, you, you know, you have to be, you have to be discerning. You have to, uh, you have to ask people around you to, uh, uh, you know, to come to understand the effect they're having both on ourselves and on other people, not in a judgmental way, but in a truthful way. So uh, it, it's really funny. I mean, you've got you've got um, you know you've got some communities in the United States, for instance, that. Uh, decide to uh, uh, release child predators mm-hmm. out of this sense of well, let's don't be judgmental. This is something that they they're working through, and it's not right to you know keep them off the streets. But but you know that's that's a failure in discernment. You know that's a failure in saying, look, uh, yeah, we have to we have to protect children. You know these people have to understand that that's not okay. Uh, with us to live that kind of lifestyle. And the key, of course, is to not regress into this sort of judgmental blanket condemnation of people, you know, and, and seeing people as, as inherently bad and dehumanize them and see no no way of redemption for these people. Everybody can be redeemed, Every, but it's a spiritual path that has to be reached. And uh, when it's not, we're obligated to truthfully uh, in some in some cases, uh, uh, you know, restrain people. In other, in other cases, certainly to just say to them, you know, here's here's your effect on me, and here's what I think is your effect on other people. Um, so it's it's um, it's an amazing process as we come full circle uh, in integration, so that we we both, we get the best of all the groups out there that are talking about spirituality. Yeah, and I'm real aware of that. I want to follow up uh, with that conversation about responsibility and accountability as opposed to the good and evil. When we come back from our break in just a moment, this is Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network. I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance, to expect guidance, to trust and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology, A-I-H-T. with a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earn my Ph.D. in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve, too. That's how it works. These self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, 
visit AIHT.edu. All my love. The new home for visionary positive change. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. This is Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews, and we're talking to James Redfield, the author of the Celestine Prophecy series. James, uh, we talked in the last segment about um, about responsibility and accountability. I want to see if you can help me look at how we can apply the, the 12 insights to those notions of accountability and personal responsibility. Well, sure, let's do that. Uh, let me just go through them, and, and we'll tie them together okay. in light of the 12th because that's really the, the, the operation that's occurring as we integrate them all together in one lived life, one way of life that's lived. Um, the first insight is, is, in my view, one of the most important because it's the perception of meaningful coincidences, uh, that somehow the hand of fate operates in our lives, that the, these meaningful events happen that seem to be orchestrated for some in some way. They, they're challenging in that they bring information about how we behave so that we can transcend that. But they also speak to our, our heart's dream and open open that up. And uh, if you really look at you know what's what's happening, um, then you realize that there's these meaningful coincidences are just everywhere. Um, and so that's the first measure of this awakening. Um, you, you, this is this is a new way of looking at life, and and people individually have happened have done it all through history, but the, in the first time in a mass way, we realize that the world is more mysterious, and that there's this divine principle operating in the world that helps us through life. So, you know what. What happens then with the first insight is we know there's something going on that's greater than this material that we've been in. So the second insight is just that, realizing that uh, humanity evolves, that we've been through 400 years of, 500 years of obsession with materialism, and now we're breaking out of that and bringing the rest of the operation of the universe uh, to light. And in many ways, led by sciences and, and scientists and, and uh uh, and thinkers out there who are ahead of the curve. Um, what we're bringing, of course, into us is the third insight, and that is a new understanding of how the world works, that there's an energetic uh, relationship uh, between uh, I, uh, uh, objects in the world and entities in the world, and, and that there's there's a spiritual program going on. Um, and once we realize that, we realize that we have to sort of n- n- navigate uh, and, and learn the world anew from this point of view. And the first thing we have to realize is that, and this is the fourth insight, and that is there's a competition for 
energy, for attention, for power happening out there in the world. And this, this insight is so important because when you see a power struggle between two people, and you realize that they're both arguing irrationally, yeah. You know, it's not that they're fighting over a truth authentically. It's just that they're saying anything they can to sort of find some way to control and subdue the other. And when that happens, you realize that, and we felt it on ourselves, people using all sorts of uh, manipulations to make us feel uh, deflated and make and, and start to defer to them as as uh, kind of the more powerful person. And and we all do this, so it's not anything we're accusing other people of doing. We all engage in this struggle for power out there. Right. It's about energy. We want to feel, we want to feel uh, full of energy. And if we're arguing with someone, or if we are talking with someone, if we can feel superior, uh, uh, then we kind of get their energy because they're deferring it to us. If we can win the argument, but the other people feel. The, uh, 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 feels the other person feels deflated. Uh, so there's a competition over who can have the other person's energy out there. And if you want to name one thing that's wrong with the world, from the from the interaction in families or couples all the way to the way governments behave toward each other, it's that competition for power. Exactly. Now, that's a great that's an important insight because the solution to that is is yeah you can say well let's be democratic and we won't give anybody any more power. Uh, than another, that's that's a great step. But to end that power struggle psychologically among humans, there has to be a, what we talked about, which is a spiritual catharsis, which is the fifth insight. So the fifth insight is really having that breakthrough connection where we feel totally secure. We've got all the energy we need. We don't have to win other people. We don't have to dominate other people in any way. We become a net givers of energy, not takers. So that's so very important as a step in human evolution to come to that place. You know, it happened. It happened in the 70s and 80s where the interaction psychologist Eric Byrne defined that uh, that ethic uh, in, in his landmark book, The Games People Play. Exactly. Um, so. The so the the fifth insight, the fourth and fifth insight solution, being the fifth insight, uh, defined uh, a new ethic toward other people. But it it meant we had to have our own sense of energy from within ourselves, and that was a spiritual uh, uh, phenomena, spiritual breakthrough that all the mystics talk about. So from there. Uh, the, once we get to that opening, we start to realize that there are certain fruits of it. One is the synchronicity increases. Number two, we, we begin to, we can see because we're energetically above it, we can see how our ordinary self, our ego self, used to play those power trip games. And there's certain, in the book I talk about uh, uh, the various styles of that. But uh, the sixth insight is when we, can catch ourselves doing it. We realize that's what we're doing, and we realize, you know, what are we going to do if we're not going to power trip with people? You know, if we're not going to do a, a, a Jerry Springer view of life, what are we going to do? Well, we're going to find a mission, and the Six Insight brings in this truth, this something that we want to tell the world, and our, our uh, it's, it's a calling to get a truth out out there, uh, and that's why we're here. 
And that's what people, it, it, you know, when they hit the sixth insight, they want more than anything else. Why am I really here? What should I be doing? Uh, but it evolves quickly into a seventh insight. And the seventh insight also happened, I think, in the 80s, uh, late 80s, maybe even early 90s, where we begin to realize that there's a flow we can find in which intuitions guide us. If we act on those intuitions, then synchronicities occur to bring us information at just the right time. Uh, we, we know, you know, when we're, we feel an urge to say something to a stranger, we go ahead and do that because we know that that chance event could bring us information that will expand our mission, you know, our, the flow of our uh, uh, effectiveness in the world. So uh, that's the seventh insight, but it immediately uh, evolves toward the eighth. And the eighth insight was later. Eighth insight was mid-90s, uh, I believe, where we really realized that Eric Byrne covered everything psychologically, but what we really uh, began to realize is that there's an ethic of how to treat other people. And that ethic is you give energy, and you, know, you stay connected well enough to feel so confident in yourself. You don't have to win any argument. You don't, you don't even have to argue because you have this complete self-confidence if you, that you don't even have to say a word. You can't be insulted. And then you become a net giver of energy, which is a new interpersonal ethic. And, and the way we give energy to, to other people is we look for the higher consciousness in them. And and when when of course we uh, when you, when we look that way, we begin to talk to it and find it, and we see glimpses of this higher consciousness in the other person. We don't dehumanize them. We don't try to conquer them or dominate. We're looking for the greatest part of them. And when you start to speak to that to another person, sometimes they move into it and have this catharsis for the first time ever because of a conversation with us. So that's the contagion. The eighth inside is a grand contagion that's going to raise the energy level, raise the functioning level in, in, uh, on the earth, and bring us to the ninth insight, which is a view of the future. And the view of the future is we're going to... Uh, energize ourselves to the degree that we'll become more and more spiritual on the planet and, and create a spiritual culture. Right, and we're going to look some more at that after the break uh, in just a minute. Listening on a Higher Dimension, 7th Wave Network. I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance, to expect guidance, to trust and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology, A-I-H-T, with a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earned my PhD in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve, too. That's how it works. These self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, 
visit AIHT.edu. All my love. Fiction seeping into reality. Reality transfigured by fiction. A monument of wonders. Conspire with host and creator Roy Dean Doty as he shares readings, commentary, music, and interviews on the multimedia epic that'll change the way you think forever. A Monument of Wonders, a place where time is a honeycomb, where language spawns the fantastic, where consciousness is exploded, one inspired mind at a time. Escape the stricture of the soundbite film clip world. Enter a Monument of Wonders. Wonder is miracle. Wonder is life. Wonder is power. Fridays, 11 a.m. to noon Pacific Time on the 7th Wave. Are you in? Awakened Media for a Transforming World. 7th Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. You're listening to Austin Living with Andrea Matthews, and we're talking to James Redfield about the 10th uh, Insight, the 11th Insight, the 12th Insight. Um, you covered just a little bit of the 9th Insight in the last segment. Can you continue with that now? Sure. Well, the 9th Insight is, you know, it's the, it's the insight of knowing what life's about. What's, you know, while we're here is to spiritualize this planet all together, to come to unity and create a spiritual culture all over the planet. Now, to some people that sounds utopian, uh, and the fact is it is utopian, but not in a, in a negative way. It can be achieved because we, we're having the insights uh, that are unifying us and bringing us to that. So we're going to create a spiritually-based culture on this planet. Ultimately, our brains are shaped for it. We just have to live an authentic spirituality and an authentic lifestyle that brings us all to that. The 11th insight, excuse me, the 10th insight, uh, is happens, and this happened when, you know, in the late 90s when everybody was interested in angels and in the speaking to departed loved ones and, and uh, you know, the experience of being, of, of when a departed loved one comes to us to say goodbye, which is the most common uh, afterlife experience uh, uh, out there in the world. It happens in every family to one degree or, or another. But it's only now as we move into the, or it happened, you know, in the, in the, in the late 90s and, and early uh, 2000s that we uh, began to really accept that for a real phenomenon. So we, uh, we have to, what we're realizing in a nutshell is that we get help. We do have angelic realms that help us, but we have to ask. We have to ask that nothing is imposed on us. But when we ask and and we pray uh, and we realize that we have a power to to uh, bring the energy of the divine into our lives and 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 get help and accelerate everything, the solutions to our problems, everything. But we have to ask. We can also, and this is the eleventh insight, move into 
using prayer power and intention that's spiritually based to change the world out there, to beam prayer intentions into other people around the around the globe uh, situations. Um, uh, the eleventh insight happened, uh, of course, just recently. You know, two thousand four, two thousand five, when people really began to understand that we have prayer power that is real, and that the most authentic prayer power is is the power that it, that comes from faithful affirmation. And uh, you know, prayer research shows this. But uh, again. The eleventh insight is is our kicking off place, but in the last couple of years or so, we have been moving into what I believe is a is a lived integration of all these insights, which which really boils down to uh, finding a spiritual practice, uh, getting a this, a real sense of spiritual presence in our lives as we walk uh, on our journey, uh, and that we use this intention and this interpersonal ethic. Uh, to enhance the world around us and enhance everybody that we meet. And what happens is that, that doors open mysteriously and magically for us uh, when we live in the spiritual connection. Um, and there's a lot more to the 12th inside, but in a nutshell, that's, uh, that's what we're talking about, moving into this era of integration. Okay. So when is this 12th Insight new book going to be coming out? Well, that will be uh, coming out in uh, probably the latter months of uh, of '09. Okay, how exciting. Well, I know that you have been a humanitarian and a um, and an environmentalist, and, and you've got some current projects. I know the Global Prayer Project is a part of that. Tell us more about what you're currently involved in. Well, our, our website is... Uh, CelestineVision.com, and and I'd invite people to look it over. What we're doing with the prayer project is we come together every two weeks, a group of people. It's all free. Everybody pays for their own long-distance call if they come together on the phone, but we also have a connection uh, across the World Wide Web. Uh, so we literally have uh, thousands of people who come together and uh, and focus prayerful intention on conflict areas in the world. Uh, we we focused uh, for months on North Korea when North Korea was the great uh, uh, problem out there with their uh, development of nuclear power and their uh, uh, failure, their, their refusal to participate in the family of nations out there. Uh, well, we see what's happened now. North Korea, and we don't take it credit for this individually. Every All of us are praying. But we you know, we we focus on that, and we think that we help bring prayer power to that situation. North Korea is now uh, cooperating with the UN and and uh, is economically joining the whole uh, Asian community. Um, you know, we so we 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 do that as part of the uh, as part of it, and uh, we also spend time uh, with a in a prayer circle for the participants in terms of people who are dealing with with grief and. And uh, uh, illness and uh, indecision about their life course, and we have a time when we all beam energy into the circle where people come in when they when they need to be energized along these realms and in these areas of life, and uh, so everybody gets uplifted with an amazing energy that can be felt. And uh, we think uh, again that uh, that prayer works, and the more people praying, the better. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 
as evidenced by what you've already said, but also just by the connection we feel individually when we're yes. in prayer. I also know there's, uh, you're really involved in health care right now. Well, you know, uh, health care is a mess, you know, and as we move into this 12th Insight, one of the things we're doing is trying to improve and evolve uh, areas um, in the world that just aren't functioning uh, very well. One is health care. Um, chiefly, uh, our, my focus personally is with uh, vaccines. Uh, there's a new book out called Vaccine Safety Manual by uh, Neil uh, Miller. I would ask and really encourage, uh, almost beg any parent to read this book before they just uh, go uh, ahead with uh, vaccinations for children. Uh, it's it's an unbelievable sort of middle ages, uh, almost uh, dark ages approach to medicine that is being uh, where uh, there's a there's a kind of uh, uh, regrettable coalition between big government and and pharmaceutical companies and uh, in terms of just uh, creating this um, this unrealistic and, and unreal really hysteria about childhood diseases that uh, isn't true uh, they're falling into a paradigm uh, that uh, is unbelievable but. Uh, it just has to be dealt with, and uh, parents individually have to do the dealing with it. Um, also, you know, we we have a problem of food additives in the world, uh, and and you know, food is a is sacred to a lot of people, and they want their food. But uh, people mistakenly believe that the government uh, uh, departments protect them from dangerous food additives that make their way into processed foods. Uh, and they don't. They're sort of in collusion, uh, again, with the uh, the big food companies. So, you know, I'm not a really a, a, an activist person, uh, usually, but uh, in these two areas, it's, it's a terrible, terrible public scandal that's going to come to light in the next 20 years, uh, just like smoking uh, was covered up, the dangers of smoking was covered up for 50 years. Uh, that's the same thing happening in food and vaccines, and, and, and I just want people not to suffer. Uh, if you wonder why there's epidemics in diabetes and hypertension and, and uh, Parkinson's disease and Alzheimer's, uh, just look at the food and look at the vaccination, uh, vaccinations, and you'll find the answer. Okay. Well, we've been talking to James Redfield today and um, learning a lot about the world and its evolution into awakening into the authentic self. Authenticity is that special place inside of us, like the roots of the tree, that can always give us peace, even though the tree and the branches are, are blowing in the wind. Um, and this awakening will, uh, is a, ma- a critical mass movement that is um, going all over the world, and uh, James Redfield has been a major leader in that movement, and I'm real grateful to have gotten the opportunity to talk with you today. James, thank you so much. Hey, listen, I've enjoyed it too, and uh, you know, keep up uh, keep up these interviews because it's so important that uh, that the word get out about this. I certainly will. And you've been listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews, and I look forward to talking with you again next week. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.